Welcome to the final whistle. He led the national team into the SEA Games, only to retire at 25. Al Kasimi joins us on this episode. We've got former Young Lions captain Al Kasimi in the studio and he talks to us about why he hung up his boots at 25, putting Patrice Evra on his bum at the Sports Hub and his advice to athletes in Singapore. Hi and welcome to the final whistle. This is Deepan. This is Kabir. Today's episode is powered by ActiveFit. ActiveFit is an online sports and fitness store providing apparels, equipment as well as recovery tools which is a forgotten but essential element for fitness enthusiasts. That's right. You can now enjoy a discount of 10% when you shop with ActiveFit if you use our unique promo code, hashtag TFinalWhistle. Visit ActiveFit.com. That's A-K-T-I-V-E-F-I-T.com now. Kabir, it's been a long time since our first episode. Uh, we had Ilyas Lee on the first episode. Shout out, Ilyas. And yes, uh, we had, <laughs> he was someone who captained Singapore at the youth level before and uh, perhaps he might still find a way back into professional football, but his career mm. ended abruptly, you would say. And we did have a few insights from him on why he didn't continue with football at a professional level. Yep. And the truth was that he did want to continue playing on. Mm. And, you know, I've been wanting to get similar stories of players with tremendous potential and promise, but they just stepped away, but this time on their own terms. Uh, and we might just have that today. Yeah, you know, it's actually nice when players can live on their own terms with a proper plan. Mm-hmm. What more when they're in their 20s, you know, at the peak of their career, you know, when we were talking off where just now young and dangerous. Uh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest today was, I would say, at his peak when he left. And uh, it's uh, quite admirable uh, that um, for the captain of our SEA Games team um, to leave the game at that age and mm-hmm. from the outside looking in, it looks like he got his life after football sorted and I may be wrong though but mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll find out but yeah he was a quality player yeah uh, quality player like you said a really good fullback he was uh, he's played for the national team he's led a, th- a team into the SEA Games as captain a really nice guy and someone who I always remember because he always has a smile <laughs> on his face no matter what every time I uh, report for games he's always smiling uh, welcome to the final whistle Al Kasimi how are you, you. Uh, what have you been up to, be. to? Um, so far everything's alright I mean, 2020, like we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. it's been a difficult year for everyone, mm. um, working or not, for athletes um, especially. So everything's okay. We're just going to move forward from now on. Let's get started with uh, what you're up to right now. Sure. So what is your current role right now? What What are you working as? Okay, so basically I'm actually back to my alma mater. Mm-hmm. I'm in, back in Singapore Sports School. I used to be a student there and currently I'm a staff. So what I do there is I'm a mentor. I'm a boarding mentor. So basically what I have to do is I have to be on site. Lah. I stay at sports school. I mentor the mentees, the student athletes from all different sports, not just football. I've got football, netball, badminton, golfers, silat, um, table tennis players all under me. Mm-hmm. So what I do is, I mean, I look out for them. I mean, um, I take place as their parents in sports school because as you know, all these student athletes, they are boarding in sports school. Mm-hmm. So, um, in Latin, local parentis. So, we take care of them, um, their welfare and whatnot, and also their character development, their conduct grading, 
And I was, I'm also in the um, discipline committee in sports school. Lah. So mm. I look out for their discipline and well-being as well. Yep. So what attracted you to take up this role in the first place? Um, of course, stepping out, stepping away from football, um, it's not, it's not something that I really want. Mm-hmm. But sports and football have always been close to my heart. Okay. So I had to do, I've always wanted to do something not on the field, but off the field, probably behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And sports school seemed to be the right fit because I was from there. It's a familiar ground. Um, I know how things work there. I know how the student athletes grow and develop as athletes from all sort of academies, all sort of sports. So I feel I still have a lot to contribute in all ways lah, mm-hmm. in, 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 in terms of sports in Singapore. All right. Yeah. Let's go right back to the start. Uh, sure. How do you get introduced to football when you were young? Is it something, is it a sport that you always wanted to play professionally? Uh, Yeah. I mean, back in those days where you've seen common uh, void deck football. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I'm one of those lah, void okay. deck football players. And it, it comes from the family. It comes from friends. Um, I've got a huge influence on on football from my dad, from my elder brother, who are Liverpool fans. <laughs> Fortunately for me, I don't know for you guys. But yeah, so I mean, it started from there. Um, void deck football and then you go into primary school as a CCA and so on. And eventually, um, I realized that I have a passion and interest in it and I just went for it. Lah. So yeah. you mentioned your dad and brothers as a, and your brother as an influence. Mm-hmm. So in what way did they influence you to pick up the game? Um, they are huge fans of football. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just watching Liverpool games, all the other games, England or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So whenever they watch games live on TV or go to the stadium to watch games, back then I would always tag along lah. So the interest has always been there. I mean, they are the only two boys in the family, and I I I have to do something that they do as well. So yeah, gradually from there the love for the sport grew and yeah. Were there like uh, influences in terms of like uh, players that you watched when you were younger who inspired you to pick up the game? Mm, when I was younger, I mean, I've never had the chance to watch live um, like Fandi or Malik Awak played mm-hmm. um, back in the Malaysia Cup. Oh, but you were younger than me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get to watch so, that. <laughs> so, it's, it's always... Um, videos, mm. tapes that my, my father has, um, the, the, the classic cassette of the Dream Team song and then mm. you get to know more about them through songs <laughs> and then the the famous or popular um, Fandi Ahmad book, there are pictures in there which got you interested. I may not be able to read back then but mm-hmm. the photos are already quite enough for me to to to, to fall in love with Singapore football lah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember there were sticker books uh, at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, <laughs> I had, I had a collection. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was cost how big quite our, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was how big our local game was uh, at the time. Yeah. yeah. But the obvious question is, you know, how did you get the chance to take it up at a professional level? So I think, I think your first exposure uh, was perhaps the Singapore Sports School. How do you get to the yeah. stage? So back then, um, Sports School started in 2004 mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to be in SEC 1 yeah. Uh, in 2005. So it's a relatively new school. Mm-hmm. And you know, when it comes to Singapore sports school, everyone would say, oh, this is a, a school for the elite, you see. Mm-hmm. So back then, 
everyone wanted to go sports school. And 2005, we, myself and a few of my batchmates, um, we went for the trials. So eventually I got it lah, 2005. And I mean, 2004, the senior batch, as you know, was Safwan, was Madhu, mm-hmm. was Kai, the keeper. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all these players uh, that, that, that they are still playing right now. And I think it's, it's a prestigious school to be in. Like I said, it's for the elite. I mean, you've always, I don't know if you, you guys are Harry Potter fans. <laughs> if you love magic, you, ha- you have to go there. There's nowhere else to go. So, so it's like a Hogwarts for sports in yeah. Singapore. So that's where I want to go and nowhere else back then. So when you joined up sports school, was it already a decision that, uh, that was made in your mind that I'm definitely going to pursue this line and become a professional footballer? Yeah. I mean, when I was 11, I was selected for the combined schools team, mm-hmm. Singapore's combined schools team. So from then on, I know this is something I want to do and something that I want to get serious on. So when the, just nice, when the sports school just started, um, with all the system in place in sports school, the coaches, the facilities, I don't think we can get um, any other kind of, um, I would say, guidance mm-hmm. anywhere else other than sports school. So I think it's a choice for everyone when you want to pursue sports. Mm-hmm. So at that age, did you understand that it was a boarding school, you were not going to go home? Mm. How was it for you? Yeah, uh, it definitely it's quite new mm. um, to be in an environment where you are away from friends, away yeah. from family. Um, Sunday to Friday, you'll be in, in, in the boarding school. It's like national service. So I, I can safely say actually sports school was very fruitful. Um, by the time I hit and I'm I'm required to go for national service. Yeah. It was like nothing for me because <laughs> four years I've been yeah. I've been so called staying on my own, away from family, um, being independent, um, learning to do things on your own, hanging out with your friends, with your khakis and all. So, I think the school don't just develop you as a sportsman, but as a person to be ready for life mm-hmm. in a whole. Uh, yeah. One thing I remember about Al Kasimi is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is sure. that. Uh, I'm a football manager geek. So when I actually play uh, Singaporean <laughs> clubs in football manager, Al-Kazimi is listed as a defender and a striker. He's one of those oh. rare players that has two <laughs> positions. So is it true that when you were younger, you used yeah. to play up front? Correct. So primary school, um, I was a striker for my school. I think everyone started from scoring goals. And mm-hmm. So I was a striker for my school. Um, Golden Boot winner for the E-Zone, Zonals and mm-hmm. National Zonals and all. So eventually, I go into sports school as a striker also. But of course, you know, back then, primary school, everyone is an attacker. Mm. <laughs> so once you go into sec one, into sports school, you step into sports school, you have to challenge for your position. And eventually, unfortunately, I would say, or fortunately, um, I, I'm not best fit as a striker. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think I understand because I think when it comes to secondary school, the level of football is a lot higher. And it's not as easy to score when you were back in primary school. Mm-hmm. So I realized I'm more of a runner, run up and down the field. So I started as a striker in sports school, but eventually I went to, to the wing. And, and was this prompted wingers. by yourself or like coaches uh, give you feedback and then um, you decided? It's definitely the coaches call. Okay. And for us back then, we don't really have a voice where we tell the coaches at 13, like, you know what? I want to play at this position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like the coach tell you to play a certain position, we play. 
I mean, we we want to play. Mm-hmm. We want to be in the first eleven. So whatever position that that we are thrown in or I'm thrown in, I would always give my best. Uh. So eventually, I gradually got to know that I'm comfortable in the right wing. Mm-hmm. And throughout my NFA days, I'm a right winger. Right uh. winger, okay. Yeah. And how true also is the fact that um that you suffered from early burnout uh when mm. you were playing in your younger days. So I, I'm not sure when this took place. True. Was it during a sports school or after that? Um I think it's after sports school. It's not okay. during sports school. Sports school, I'm I was having the time of my life, mm-hmm. developing myself as a player. Okay. Um it's more on when I graduated and I went into poly. Okay. To pursue my diploma. And then, you know, all those traveling from after class to to going to your training grounds and all back and forth every day, normally on weekends as well, you you suffer burnout because it becomes a routine. And I was from Republic Poly, it's in Woodlands, and then to travel all the way to Jalan Besar mm-hmm. or to Geylang, it's it's not funny. <laughs> 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 you don't have license, you mm-hmm. you have to 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 enjoy public transport. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tiring lah. It's tiring. So, and I mean the burnout also. It's not just about the traveling. It's um, back then, even though I was pursuing football as a career, since I was young, I've always had other ambitions. And that kind of distracted me to say, you know what, football may not be the right thing for you. Mm-hmm. Go do something else. So that plays a part in the burnout. Lah. Mm-hmm. And then the pulling factor okay. to tell me that, hey, you actually burn out. But it, it, it's just... It's just exhaustion. But but what yeah. kept you on track then? Kept me on track was my friends, mm-hmm. the batchmates that I was playing with, and definitely my dad. I mean, my dad, since I was in primary school, um, he sacrificed blood, sweat, and tears for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't want to stop abruptly because of all the sacrifices that he has done for me. Lah. From going to matches, from to training, to buying me the latest soccer boots that's on the market right now. So, it's more on avoiding disappointment of your loved ones. Mm-hmm. And also, I st- I mean, the burnout is not totally burnout. I still have the passion and love for the game. Mm-hmm. So, the the support from friends and family helped lah, to, to get me on track and stay on track. Okay. When, when I look at the whole uh, NFA system and, and yep. perhaps even sports school, from the outside looking in, um, mm. my criticism could be that you guys are in a bubble. That you guys are, are in a comfortable environment. Yeah. Uh, would you? What would you say uh, about people like me who say that? Because to me, I just feel that sometimes even uh, when you're not playing well, just because you're from the NFA system, mm-hmm. you get favoritism. That's yeah. that's me from the outside looking yeah. in. What What do you have to say about that? Um, I don't know how's the current situation now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an FFA right now, mm-hmm. right? They yep. call it. Um, back then NFA, um, it's always the best of the best have to be in NFA. Mm-hmm. There's no favoritism and whatnot that like, like you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I can safely say there wasn't really any favoritism back then. Mm-hmm. You've, if you deserve it, you're the best, you're in the team. Mm-hmm. And to be in that bubble in sports school, um, the majority of the NFA players come from sports school. And it's not because you're a sports school player. It's because I think most of the players deserve it because they show that they can play compared to the mainstream school players. Lah. So, um, being in a bubble from sec one up to sec four, to be in the same team, um, there are pros to it, lah. I mean, you, you, you play the same players, you understand the same players, and then you have the same coach who coaches you from sec one 
up to your sec four or eventually sec five. Mm-hmm. So the the understanding is there, um, the team spirit is there. So being in that bubble, I think there are more pros and cons. Of course, um, there are, there there are setbacks to it, mm-hmm. To be to be in that bubble where, um, there are other players out there who may not be recognized, who may not be spotted, yep. because we are always so focused in that bubble. Mm-hmm. But then I feel if you are good enough, there are scouts out there to to spot you or or, or so on. Um, you will definitely be mm-hmm. in that bubble together with the rest. Uh. From a yeah. perspective of a, of a former player who yeah. was in that system as well as a mentor now, mm. how do you prevent uh, complacency from creeping in? How do you prevent players from getting comfortable within this bubble? Um, because I... Mm, they know they shouldn't be complacent because mm-hmm. um, results show that um, sports school um, isn't dominating. Mm-hmm. There are it's it's very competitive now. I mean, there are so many other schools out there who are who are good in football and other sports per se. But I think the the players rightfully they know that they sh- they shouldn't be complacent because whenever they play them in national games or in zonals. It's not far off. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the score lines are not. There, there are huge score lines, but there are score lines which are merely a win. So, I think naturally enough they should know. Oh, I mean, it wasn't an easy game. So, like you say, they are they are they are not too complacent. Uh. and and at times the coaches and myself would would talk to all these athletes to these players where we we give them a reality check. Uh. Mm-hmm. I mean you may be in the sports school, but there are other players out there who are dying to be in sports school mm-hmm. to show um, what they're capable of. Okay. So, yeah. And in 2010, of course, you you made your debut in the S-League with yeah. uh, the Cots Young Lions at that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Uh, first of all, how proud were you when you made your debut? Uh, was it something that you were really waiting for despite all the various experiences you must have had with uh, the youth team at the time but this was the S-League yeah. uh, was it something that you're aiming for and how do you feel when you first made your debut? Honestly <laughs> honestly <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember my debut can't remember anything I, can, I couldn't remember my S-League debut mm-hmm. but I could remember my in 2009 uh, Singapore Cup debut when uh, I was playing um, 2000 how old was I in 2009? <laughs> 17 mm-hmm. so 17 um, Coach Sundram and Coach Terry called me up for a Singapore Cup game to play for the Young Lions. So mm-hmm. I was in the NFA. Mm-hmm. So that was, for me, that was my debut. That was, your, yeah, your, that was okay. my first game for Young Lions. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's an honor lah, to be recognized as a 17-year-old. And I think if I'm not wrong, the right back back then, Young, young Lions, was Farid. I think he had an injury or something. Mm-hmm. And they could have gotten any other player from the from the bench mm-hmm. to be in the right back but um to be spotted and then to replace Farid in the Singapore Cup game against Elbrecht if I'm not wrong um we lost I think we lost 1-0 or was it 1-1 I can't remember mm-hmm. but but yeah that was a debut that I could remember the S-League one honestly I can't remember <laughs> at all and and getting to that stage uh, who were the like mentors at the time who were pushing you to you know, get to that stage, uh, not just in terms of mm. coaches, but like yeah. fellow players. Fellow players, um, back then, uh, we had Zulfami, mm-hmm. who's now in Thailand. Mm-hmm. 
I think he was one of the young young players in Young Lions, but he was very friendly, very approachable. Okay. And as well as Faris, mm-hmm. um, Harris was there as well. And I mean, all these they may be only two years older than me, but I see them as senior enough to mentor me, um, in my game and um eventually be comfortable in the team. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And, and what about coaches? I mean, um, not just at Young Lions, mm-hmm. but even before that. Who were the coaches who had a lasting impact on you? Um, okay, back in sports school, um, Akari Zed, um, Akari Abdullah Zed. No. Okay. So he took us in that bubble from sec one to sec four. Mm-hmm. So he was like a father figure to us. I mean, he's a no-nonsense coach. Uh. If you play well, you'll be in the team. If, you, if you're not, I mean, there are, there are times, honestly, when back then when I was in sports school, I'm not a consistent player, mm-hmm. always in the first 11. And there are so many other players who have better technique, better abilities than me. But like I like back back to your question, Ablano was was one of the um, biggest influence in my life, like because mm-hmm. over the developing years in sports school, he was there. Mm-hmm. Then eventually, um, coach um Robin and Harizan who took us in NFA after we graduated from sports school, mm-hmm. So these are the few coaches who who I would say helped me to 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 have a step into professional football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were regular soon enough for the Young Lions and then you became captain yeah. for the Young Lions. Uh, how did that come about? Uh, was it something that you were aiming for? I know most players say that, oh, we don't aim to become captain, yeah. but yeah. Uh, why do you think you became a captain and how do you feel? Mm, for me, like I said just now, and also this, I've told my my mentees in sports school before, I told them I'm not the best player. Mm-hmm. Honestly, in sports school, I I wanted to be a striker. I couldn't score. I was a right wing. You can call it as a drop from being a striker to a right wing. But mm-hmm. I, I told them I don't have the best technique. I don't have the best ability. I don't have the best fitness. But what I have is the heart and passion to give my all for the team. And through hard work, through discipline, um, eventually I made to wear... I, I did uh, back mm-hmm. then in Young Lions in national team and whatnot. So um I think to answer your question, it's all about dedication. Okay. Um self-discipline and putting your your mind right into what you want. Uh. And mm-hmm. definitely I didn't aim to be a captain. But um fortunately enough, the coaches see that I'm someone who's vocal enough or I, I have the ability to lead. Um, to lead in terms of spirit but not in terms of I mean honestly I'm not the kind of players who who tell my teammates hey you know this is the way you should kick mm. this is the way you should stand this is supposed to be the right position mm. I'm not that kind of captain okay. I'm not the kind of captain who has good intelligence in football but I'm the I'm the kind of captain who who enjoys rally the team whether we are down or up mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Moving on to 2015 SEA Games, uh, yeah. I think it was probably one of the proudest moments for you yes. uh, in in front of home crowds at Jalan yeah. Besar Stadium, uh, packed crowds, leading your team out. Uh, but what were some of the lessons that you learned from that tournament? Uh, maybe to people listening, I mean, uh, they were very critical of, yeah. of the whole tournament and yes. how it went. Every uh, year, bro. Every <laughs> year. Yeah, every year. <laughs> but more so because this time it was on, yeah. in home soil, mm, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but what were the, some of the lessons that you learned uh, that you can offer to the rest? Um, for a start, I think the 2015 SEA Games, despite the, the, despite leaving the tournament empty-handed without mm-hmm. a medal, I mean, I've been through the 2011 SEA Games in Jakarta, 
2013 SEA Games in Myanmar, mm-hmm. even though I've got a medal in Myanmar, but I feel the 2015 SEA Games being empty-handed is the most memorable one, despite living empty-handed, like mm-hmm. I said. Because um, the preparation towards the SEA Games was good, to be honest. The preseason or the, the, the training tours that we had was good. Um, leading up to the SEA Games competition eventually. Um, the players we had um, towards the 2015 SEA Games were quality players, experienced players who played in Lions 12, who, who got called up to the national team at early age, have minutes under their belts in the S-League and whatnot. So I think for me, that 2015 SEA Games, we came in very confident. Not mm-hmm. overconfident, but very confident. The spirits were high. Um, but like you see, if you watch the game, I think all the other teams from the, the, the Southeast Asian region, they are quality teams as well. Yep. And they're just the better team for the every game that we played against. Uh, except for the ones we, went, we won. Uh. Mm. <laughs> the one we lost, you can see. Uh, I mean, you can see it's not as if we were totally down and we couldn't play at all. It, it's just that they were a quality higher and they were better finishers. And when we watch the semi-finals and the finals eventually, we feel the players, we feel that we deserve to be there. Okay. Because I think it, it was one of the strongest squads um, yeah, for the SEA Games that Singapore have, have, have put up. Lah. And to have um, likes of Shakir, Faiz Ramli, Sahil, um, Shafiq Ghani was eventually um, injured and we've got a solid Shazwan at the back. Yeah. So I think it couldn't have gone any worse. Uh. Mm-hmm. We, we tried our best. In terms of, of experience, home ground, uh, we got to feel the, the, the packed stadiums and mm-hmm. all. It was definitely a good experience. Mm-hmm. That's why I said, even though back then we won medals in the previous edition of SEA Games, uh, the Singapore one was, was the most one of the best. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. So how did you manage expectations when you were, even when you won the, uh, what was it? Bronze, was it? Bronze. You won the yeah, bronze medal. Yeah. People were still saying it was a failure. Mm. And then when you don't win anything, obviously people are going to say it's a failure. Yeah. Yeah. But as as a team, how did you manage the expectations? What did your coaches tell you? And how did you go go away? You know, you know like learning something mm. from the tournament. I think we cannot rule out critics. We cannot rule out um, comments and feedback from from the outside of the team. It, it will always happen. It's not just to us. It's around mm. the world in terms of sports or even in your work or your daily life. Uh. But I think um, the players are cool enough to accept all these critics. And we know the social media is out there for people to vent out whatever they like. And there are valid points to take up, but there are also nasty ones that we should just ignore. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, all, we, we, we would normally just, maybe we have our coaches. It's a normal thing. I mean, social media, uh, social media is meant for everyone to say whatever they like. Mm-hmm. And, the, when the tournament is over, it's over. I mean, there's nothing we can do, but only we can learn from it. What could have, what could have, we could have done better. So like I said, when, when we watch the finals or semifinals or 2015 SEA Games, there are reflections that we could have done this, 
you know what, we had a strong squad, we could have done that. So, I think there's no regret. Um, Yeah, we just move forward from there, from the 2015 games. Okay. And yeah. And uh, your first move out of this uh, whole football body system mm. was your move to Geelang, uh, yep. Geelang International. Uh, was it a different atmosphere compared to the Young Lions at that time? Uh, and you know, how do you feel about mm. the move? And, and why did you move to Geelang firstly, of course? Okay. So before Geelang, I think half season 2015, I went to Lions, Lions 12. 12. Mm-hmm. So Lions 12, um, I, I played, I think, two games towards the end. Okay. This was um, after the SEA Games. After the SEA Games, yeah. Okay. After the SEA Games. Actually, before the SEA Games, there were already talks about myself and a few other SEA Games players to move to, to Lions 12, but it was put on hold because we wanted to focus on the SEA Games. Mm-hmm. So eventually, after the SEA Games ended, um, we moved on to Lions 12. To, yeah. And I think before we, we touch on Geelang, um, to be in the Lions 12 squad is... It's an honor. Lah. I mean, mm-hmm. you'll never get that kind of crowd, that kind of atmosphere, I would say, now in Singapore. Mm. But uh I'm I'm thankful to be to be given that that chance to be in Lions 12 and to to be in there in, in such a quality team like Lions 12. And I mean we'll never know what, what holds in the future if such a such a plan comes back again mm-hmm. in Singapore football to send a team overseas. But I feel like we should focus on our league, lah. Of mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. I mean, we don't want to be so proud and um just focus on other leagues and winning leagues overseas. And we want to build our own football in Singapore, and we should be proud of that, mm-hmm. And then eventually to Geelang, I think how we um how I moved there is, I mean, I was approached to go to Geelang, okay, and a few of the. Sea Games team, a few of the Lions staff players were also offered to go to Geelang. So it was definitely a no-brainer to be in Geelang because all the players that you are familiar with, um, the good players um, are offered to go to Geelang. And if you feel like, and 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 if, and I was offered to go to Geelang. So like I said, it's a no-brainer to mm-hmm. be there. You enjoyed your time there? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think the players who were in Geelang during my two years there, um, they were good players. They were fun players. I was very comfortable to be with them and we had good coaches as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Coach Noali, we had um, Olin and all over there. So, like, I think this Geelang vibe that I had over the two years, we could have done a lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, rather than achieving fourth or something like that. Okay. Um, it was a quality team. We could have done a lot better. But yeah, it has always been like that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you fail when you when you fail to to reach your your goals, you always move it to the next year. Okay. And uh one of the prouder moments in football was of course your national team call up. Yeah. Uh first and foremost, I I, I think it was Burn who gave you the call up. Yes, correct. So how do you hear of the call up? Uh and you know, for, for yourself, is it mm. by far the proudest moment? Because I mean you have been to the SEA Games, you yeah. have been the captain of the Young Lions, yeah. the, the youth squad. Yeah. But is a call-up different? Um, I think back then when I was playing for Young Lions, Burn has been has always been very supportive. Okay. I mean, he, he always pulls me aside and talks to me and helps me to improve my game. And I have a very comfortable relationship with him. Um, he's very critical and I, I, I appreciate that. And at the same time, um, he has a very 
um, big trust in youth. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, if you can see when, when the national team was under his charge, a lot of um, bright young talents were given a chance to show themselves. And I'm always grateful to him. So about the call-up, mm, if I can remember, it was through a, a, a WhatsApp chat group when suddenly when it comes to a to a to a um overseas training or overseas match that the national team have to play, all the players will be added into a national team chat group. Okay. And for me to just unlock my phone and see that I was speechless. Uh, like, the, am I added? I mean, am I added wrongly <laughs> or or what? So I and then I saw a few players who who I spoke to and I personally text them like, is this for real or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's when the reality kicked in. Uh. And then Coach Burn gave me a call and explained to why I was selected, how he was impressed for my with my performance in Young Lions and how I led them. So give me that 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 nudge of confidence uh, mm-hmm. to to be in the to be in the national team. And I mean, you know, sometimes when a young player goes into the national team, you feel a bit pressured or pressurized uh, because you want to do well. But the National team players back then were very welcoming, mm-hmm. um, very supportive, and we are very familiar with. And so, just took off from there, lah. Yeah. And uh, the first cap came against uh, Papua New Guinea. Is that correct? Y- yes. And so, yeah. when, when you, of course, when you told, <laughs> <Do you> remember, <laughs> I'm bad, man. When, when, when you told your your family or or yeah. if your family watched yeah. that game, uh, was that like you know in your in your perspective? Telling yourself that, thank God I didn't give up. Uh, when I had the yeah, early burnout. Uh, we we go back to when I was having a burnout. Um, I've always have the national team, um, ambition. Yeah, ambition mm-hmm. in inside. Uh. Mm-hmm. so despite the burnout, like I say, family and friends kept me going, and I'm I'm the kind who, who don't just do what's required of me. I try to do what I I feel that I can I can contribute more. Mm-hmm. And I feel that what led to to eventually for me to be called up in the national team because I think all the hard work paid off and all the support from my family and friends paid off. And it, I, I didn't I didn't see it coming to be honest. I was working really hard for Young Lions, but I didn't see it coming for me to be in national team. And for me to be called up to the national team, at least you know um, your hard work did not go to waste and mm-hmm. people actually recognize and notice mm-hmm. your hard work. And that's one of the best feeling nice. we can have. Lah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're also one of the lucky players to have got a chance to play against uh, one of the best teams in the world, Juventus, uh, when Definitely. they came into Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember the game very vividly in my mind, but for yourself, you know, uh, the players that you came up against and Correct. that squad was yeah. was a fantastic crazy, squad. Yeah, yeah, they had, I remember squad, they had Pogba, they had yeah. Perlo who came here. Uh, what are your best memories from the game? I mean, who are some of the players that you grew up watching and then like, wow, yeah. they're right here. No, I'm having goosebumps now. What I can really remember is um, when when I was called up to be in the selection team to, against Juventus, of course, I was very excited. I think my family is even more excited <laughs> than I am because I think they are a bigger football fan okay. than I am. I'm just someone who plays football as a career, but they are the one who watches football. So they are definitely more excited than I am. But 
as days go by, uh, then the reality check uh, kicks in. Uh, when I, I can remember on match day, um, the Juventus team bus reached Sports Hub uh, and I saw Pirlo coming down from the bus, shorts, slippers, long hair with headphones. Like, this guy is going to the minimat or what? <laughs> like, playing against us. Mm-hmm. He's so cool, so chill. Mm-hmm. But he, he he's 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 that kind of player, yeah. even on the field. Mm. And if, if you can you are able to watch the game again, I don't think he runs that much. Mm. <laughs> you were running and half and puffing and th- that guy was just walking and strolling in the park doing his his passing and, and, and crosses and all. So it it was a it was an unbelievable experience. Whenever I talk about football, I talk about that game, about Juventus, mm-hmm. because um, it was I think it, I, if I'm not wrong it was the first match to be played in the sports hub okay Um, and it's open to everyone to watch mm-hmm. uh, and during, when the when the national anthem came I cried while wow. I was standing in mm-hmm. the starting 11 I cried because suddenly all the flashbacks of all the support my parents have given me all the hard work that I've done through from primary school to sports school while I was singing it was it was just flashing into my eyes, uh, like, mm-hmm. dude, you're really in sports <laughs> hub right now, singing the national anthem in front of thousands of fans, mm-hmm. and it's against Juventus. Yeah, how <laughs> incredible can that be? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I mean, I I I teared, and the rest was history. Uh, yeah. You you were deployed at uh, right back for the Correct, team. Right uh, back, who yeah. who were up against? Uh, who was playing at left wing? For example, I was up against Patrice Evra. Okay. <laughs> uh, Man United fan, so it's a perfect fit for me. <laughs> so, and um, Jovinko. Ah, Jovinko. Yeah, okay. Jovinko was down, down there on the left. Mm-hmm. So, it was a really tough match for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really tough. But I think I made the best out of it. Yep. I think to rub shoulders against all these players, mm-hmm. millions of, not just players, millions of people would want to be in my my position right there right now and for me to be there rubbing shoulders um, tackling and whatnot, it's a dream up till today whenever I, I see photos of it I just can't can't believe it mm-hmm. because well, what, 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 what an opportunity yeah. <laughs> who would have thought and it's against Juventus yeah so yep feeling stop, really quite jealous stop any shirts again stop any shirts Oh, I didn't. <laughs> um, I I remember um, half time, second half when we were going out to the field. Uh, I asked Jovinko for a swap of jersey, and he told me, "Yeah, sure, but do not tackle me like how you tackle Patrice in the first half." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Sure, sure," because you know, in the first half, I went hard on 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 Patrice Evra, mm-hmm. and it wasn't on purpose. I think the ball was left there, but. Mm, he's a fast player sure. he mm. got a nick of it and I got his legs <laughs> and half time he he was out so I'm, I'm quite sorry for that so, you, so you injured Evra I think so <laughs> <laughs> that's a badge of honour actually can, can, can so, write in your resume yes, uh, I injured Evra <laughs> <laughs> but that was for Liverpool uh. <laughs> and, and going into uh, the serious uh, conversation right mm. now about uh, yourself I remember when you were playing uh, you were yeah. still studying and you you took a, took up a degree in human resource management. Yes. Um. This was attained while you were still playing. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, uh, because you talked about like the whole 
studying while mm. playing thing. How yeah. how do you firstly manage it? Uh, I think it started from home. Okay. My dad has always been a very um disciplined father. Um, he has, uh, he has already what he has already planned what he wants for his kids uh, for me and my brother. So he, apart from him being very supportive in football, always, despite me being sick, I mean, I'm not trying to put him in a bad light, but despite me being sick, he don't want me to miss football training sessions because to to him, he feels that every training session, there's something to learn. Mm. And I, I hold to that. So apart from football, he's a kind who, a typical Singaporean parent would always just will tell you not to forgo your studies whenever you're focusing on your sports. So it's a it's a balance of both. And eventually when the sports school came up, it's a perfect fit because down there, they emphasize on balance of studies and sports. So I, like I said, it started from home, the discipline to balance both studies and sports and eventually up till uh, inquiring my, my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you went to take up your your degree, was mm. it already in your mind that uh was okay, sorry was it yeah. you planning for life after football or or was it a case of you realizing that like you're not gonna play for much longer anymore like mm. you you knew in your mind that like okay I'm gonna stop playing in one or two years yeah. time which is why you should take a degree I think it's a third of both okay um it's about preparation mm-hmm. that um plan after football that life after football as well as the eventual um, decision to stop football, um, there's something to fall back on. But this is something that I've been telling my students day in, day out. As much as you're in sports school, you have that dream to be a professional player one day, education is just as important. Yeah. In Singapore or anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Because I've told them, you can be a top scorer in the S-League, a golden boot winner, a SEA Games gold medalist. But once you step out on football, you have to find something else. You restart back from square one. Mm-hmm. You don't just go walk into a company and tell them, Yo, I was a top scorer in S League. I was the best player, player of the season. I injured Evra. Yeah. <laughs> I injured Evra. <laughs> but the company will ask, so what can you contribute in our company? Mm-hmm. So, it, it, I mean, we, 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 we gain values from playing football as a team sport. We meet people along the way. Um, we made connections. But the experience, the job experience is very crucial. I think all of us young adults should know. Um, you can have honours, bachelors, and what, what whatever qualifications you have. But if you don't have that job experience, um, it's hard for a firm or for an organisation to take you in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for you to expect a pay or a salary package, like how you've earned when you're playing football, mm. it's a big no, mm. for sure. I mean, to be honest, um, when people ask me, why, why do you stop football and all? I think like, like the episode with Shaiful, it's about um, job security. And I've always told my, my students, football is football, but studies, you have to focus on that. Because eventually, like you said, when thirty, when you're when you reach thirty, when you reach thirty-five, forty, or even you're one of those um direct kind of player, you still have to do something else after football. But when do you start? Do you start at thirty? Do you start at thirty-five? For me, I started at twenty-five. Because I feel like 
I want to build my I want to build my folio as young as possible. By the time I'm 35, when I'm actually supposed to retire from football, I'm already doing something stable. Mm. I'm already doing earning something stable for me to feed my family. And I've always believed that. I mean, in football, in in Singapore or anywhere else, you can be earning six thousand a month, seven thousand a month, or ten k a month, but your contract is a year, and you'll never know next year how much you earn, how much the clubs will offer you. So for me, I rather be paid a thousand dollars each month, but I know I have a job for the next thirty forty mm-hmm. years. Yeah. So that is my my philosophy lah. Okay. That I want to to feel secure. I want to feel like the next day when I wake up, I know I have a job. I know I have food on the table for my family, mm-hmm. but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not being critical to the whole, um, um, system. The way the way football players in Singapore are contracted, lah. Mm. I mean, I I believe there are budget constraints. Mm-hmm. I believe there are guidelines they have to follow mm-hmm. in order to contract players, and and I'm not blaming any of that. But my decision to leave is not. Based on that, my decision decision to leave is based on myself. What I have planned since I was sixteen, since I was seventeen, eighteen, because apart from football, I have so many other ambition, mm-hmm. and that's what I tell my students: don't just have football as an interest. Do something else. Think about something. Else. You want to be a police officer, you want to be a, a a jet fighter pilot, and whatnot. Have something in mind because that what keeps you going in life. Mm-hmm. Not just because you don't want to come a time when football. It's not for you, and then suddenly you feel like a zero. Like, what should I do right now? Mm-hmm. So always have other interests in something else. If you got interest in journalism, then do that. Mm-hmm. But have some other things, like other than journalism. What what do you have? What do you want to do? Okay, you want to grow up to be a businessman, to to open up a restaurant and whatnot. So for me, I'm the kind who will always plan ahead, lah. Um, it may not happen. But if it happens, at least you have something, yeah. Uh, but how much of it also was down to the fact that by the age of twenty five, mm. you had already, uh, achieved a national cap. Yeah, you had already played against Juventus. Yeah. You had already captained the youth team. Mm. Do you think that at twenty five you had not achieved this yet? You might have prolonged your career. Hmm. I uh. Basically, at twenty five, do you feel like you've already achieved? In I've, football, at twenty five, even though I'm not um I'm not a decorated medalist, I I don't have um any honors in the Suzuki Cup. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in the team, mm-hmm. but we didn't win. Mm-hmm. For me, that itself to be in a team is really an achievement. Um, I'm not someone who, who you need to present a medal, then you're considered proven. You have achieved something in football. For mm-hmm. me, to be playing with all these players that you look up to. To be playing with, with with the likes of Bayhaki, with the likes of Sharil Hassan, it's already an achievement for me, and I'm I'm content with that. I, I'm not someone who's super ambitious, wanting to win the S League and whatnot. Mm-hmm. For me, the experience that counts, and that experience is an achievement after all. Okay. Yeah. So sorry when you dish out these reality checks to your kids, to mm-hmm. the your students, how do they take it? Would are there some kids that just get turned off by by? No, I think they got interested because mm. when they come to sports school or any other school or when they come to play football mm. in Singapore, um, generally, 
they have they are only seeing things in one angle. Oh, I'm playing. I'm going for training. I'm playing for mat. I'm I'm playing a match because I want to be a professional football player one day. Mm. So for them to give for me to give them a different angle, a different views, um, telling them based on my experience, they they became interested. Mm. It becomes a realization for them. Oh yeah, oh. we we didn't see this in this in in that okay. certain angle. I thought it was just about football. Mm. I thought it was just going to school, doing your your homework, passing your exams, and then go for training, and then that's it. But they didn't really. No one actually sit down with them and talk to them. So what are you going to do after three five? Yeah. Do you have any other plans other than football player? When you were six, what do you want to be? So these are the kind of questions that got them thinking. Oh yeah, mm. I mean they know that football is not going to be forever. I told them, your football. The love for football shouldn't stop. As much as I'm telling you, this is based on experience, based on reality. Yeah. Go on, play football, train as hard as you can, achieve your dreams in football, but always have something else in mind on what you want to do after football, mm. and then you're set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nice to know that someone's actually telling this kid yeah. that yeah. this is the real world. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful to hear. Uh, of course, before we let you go, we have the rapid fire round powered by Active Fit. Five questions that we need an immediate answer to. Uh, start off with the first question, which is, uh, who's the toughest opponent that you faced in the local game? Um, Ahmad Latif. Ahmad Latif. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, because of his trickery? Trickery. He's fast. He's aggressive. Um, and as a senior player, mm-hmm. a respected player, you have that certain vibe that you don't want to go hard on him. Mm-hmm. So it's quite tough. It's, a, it's quite a, <laughs> a mental game with him, mm-hmm. you see. Because you know how all these senior players... We have to respect, respect them, them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. and, and yeah. they deserve to be respected. Anyway. And second question is, uh, who is the best player that you have played with? Best player that I've played with would be um, definitely Harris. Harris, okay. Yeah. This was Young and Lions. He's a yeah, Young Lions in national team. National team. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, he's a role model to everyone, not just me. Okay. I think everyone can say that. Even someone from outside the football fraternity would say yes. that. Yeah, so third question. I know you love cars, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if your career could be made into a car, what would it be? Uh, uh, my <laughs> career. So it's not a uh a, a completed project. I say it was uh, it's a half half done project. Concept car, concept yeah. car. <laughs> it's a concept car, which is not released yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, the next question: If you could be, if if you could give an an eighteen year old you a piece of advice, what would it be? Eighteen year old me. Uh, wow. It's a tough one. Mm, I feel if, like like I mentioned just now about having plans after football, right? Mm-hmm. I've always thought to myself, what if I've never thought of these plans? Because sometimes some people will feel these plans are actually a distraction to my development in football. You know, if you focus so much on football, you could have achieved so much more. Mm-hmm. So, rather than an advice, I think mm. it's something to ponder about. Uh. Yeah. Whether if I didn't have any other plans in life or if I don't plan ahead, will this so-called distraction um, be be eliminated and I could have achieved so much more in football? Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, a reflection more. Yeah, reflection, like, yeah. Mm. And final question is, uh, what is your wish for Singapore football? Of course, I, I, I wish Singapore football will 
continue to go all the way up. And I'm sure everyone in the football fraternity, be it in the Singapore Sports School or the FAS, they are doing everything they can um, to to bring back Singapore football to its glory days. Uh. And I believe it's on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes effort, not just from the players, from from the fans as well. I think, like I said, um, um, I think many people who have mentioned football will be nothing without fans. Uh. And once the fans start pouring in again, you can see a, a certain kind of passion, a different kind of level of passion from these footballers when they play their matches day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, thank you so much for coming on to the thank show. You. I thank feel like I just set through a <laughs> career counselling or career coaching. Uh, but again, yeah, uh, wonderful speaking to you. First hand uh, experience of mentorship. <laughs> exactly. But happy to see you where you are thank right you. now. Uh, all the best for your future as well. Sure. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, thanks. Kabir, what a lovely episode we had today. Mm. Um, you know, it's a bit of a departure from our previous episodes because we had guests, uh, without naming names, you know, who said that, you know, uh, in their in their line of uh, football, they wish they had the football body support mm. uh, in terms of their retirement. You know, have yeah. a, a structure when they eventually drop out of football for them to have an after career. Mm. But today's guest Al Kasimi, so impressive. You know, he actually planned planned out the whole uh, after retirement phase, yeah, and uh, really nice to see how confident he is. And, you know, he speaks with confidence. Mm. Uh, he knows he knew what he wanted when he wanted to stop yeah. football. Uh, and yeah, how how do you feel about today's episode? It was like I said, like it was nice to see that there was there's actually someone telling these kids that oh it's there's more to life than just football. And I I know they are doing it like twenty four seven being in the sports school, but yeah like, you have to prepare for what's to come because he said he said it he said it himself that at thirty five your career is gonna end mm-hmm. and not everyone's gonna play until thirty eight or forty. But yeah like, you have to prepare for what's to come. And retirement is inevitable. I, I think it's a fine balance. I mean, while I while I admire the fact that he did plan mm. uh, for himself, uh, I do still think that the the FAS, the football body, can do more to support uh, the footballers who are going towards the 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 late thirties and all. Because yeah, while there are people like Al Kasimi, not everyone has that avenue mm. or, or the financial uh, support to take up. But actually, just guidance, bro. Sorry, people just need guidance. Actually. Yeah, a guidance exactly. Uh, so I think is the support system mm. that, that could improve uh, when it comes to footballers going towards retirement. But like I said again, wonderful chat we had today. Mm. And that's it for today's episode of The Final Whistle. Do go on to our Instagram and Facebook pages at T Final Whistle and The Final Whistle respectively. We'll see you again next week.